and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. And this week we are going back in time. We are watching a musical we've already seen, but in, in a different a, way. Yeah. yeah. I, I think this is the very last Sherman Brothers feature of a very Sherman Brothers year. Mm. I know we're only in October. But we're all booked up for the rest of the year We now. are all booked up and there is nothing else Sherman Brothers but I think we've had a really really strong year looking at a lot of their productions you know mm. we've had something we were both kind of familiar with as a concept in Bed Knobs and Broomsticks yes we've had the references to their work very much with Mary Poppins Returns mm -hmm. and we've been introduced to a Sherman Brothers feature that we never heard of before in The Slipper in the Rose and I think they've been a highlight of 2021's programming. So it feels nice that we're capping off mm -hmm. uh, the Sherman Brothers features in this year yeah. with a brand new musical inspired by a very old film that they helped make. Yes. Now, the Sherman Brothers did not write any of the new music that is in this musical. No. That was created by... The very wonderful Neil Bartram, who is most famous for the Broadway show The Story of My Life with Brian Hill. Who also wrote the book. Who also wrote the book. But he also did The Adventures of Pinocchio with Hill again. Yep. And Shakespeare in Love, the musical, which is very cool. cool. And also, here we are with Bedknobs and Gripsticks. Yes. I'm so excited to go and see them. I'm very excited to go and see So yes, this is going to be a live one. We are going to a local theatre to see this. And it's very, very exciting because this looks like an absolutely phenomenal adaptation of the source material. Right. I've seen quite a lot of the costumes. I think Diane Pilkington looks phenomenal as Eglantine Price. Mm-hmm. The little I, kids look great. They do. And I think, you know, hot off our controversy from last week with everybody's talking about Jamie. Mm -hmm. This has an amazingly diverse cast with a lot of representation from the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. And what I like is the fact that these aren't roles where they specifically have to be. They're not being cast for any reason other than they, they are the right person for this. Mm -hmm. But it is just amazing to see a show with such brilliant representation. Yeah. So I, I've also done a little bit of research on this one. Mm -hmm. Just because I've been very excited and we both watch Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I think other than talking about, you know, a little bit about where this show has come from. It's going to be more talking about what we're excited to see in yeah. the uh, film to stage adaptation. Mm -hmm. So this wasn't announced until uh, it, it was kind of in a throwaway reference to talk about the closure of Frozen on Broadway. Yeah. That it was confirmed like Frozen's closed. Oh, and there's a Bed Knobs and Broomsticks mm. uh, production. Yeah. Thomas Schumacher, who is the current head of Disney Theatrical, I was being asked about why Frozen was closing and in what is considered sort of a a play move yeah. to like get this information out there in a way that's going to make people more intrigued about it mentioned in passing that Bedknobs and Broomsticks was in the works. Yeah. 
and it did exactly what it was meant to do and we were all obsessed yeah straight and, away and i think that's a big part of why we watched it is because we knew we were going to see this and mm-hmm. it made sense to watch the film because you know this isn't a, everyone's talking about jamie where it's a, a brand new musical being turned into mm-hmm. a oh yeah film. with this you want to know where it's coming from and what the original text yeah. looks like so I might say. I've said already Diane Pilkington looks phenomenal as Eglantine Price. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of... Costumes in the pictures are great. Yeah, right? I think there's a lot of rave reviews that I have seen on Twitter for that performance. But the actor I am most excited to talk about is Rob Madge, who plays Norton a Fish. Yeah. Which I think is great. And they have an absolutely fantastic CV. They have starred in Mary Poppins mm-hmm. as Michael. They were the artful Dodger in Oliver. Yes, indeed. They have performed as Gavroche in Les Mis. They mm-hmm. have starred in Matilda. Yep. Returned to Les Mis as Jean Prouvaire. Yeah. I don't quite remember who that character is. Barricade boy. Cool. He's one of the younger ones. But has also done a tour starring as themselves in a self-written show. Yes, because Rob Madge is one of my favourite TikTokers ever. I'm not hugely active on TikTok. I post my uh, art videos. You can go follow me if you want to. But Rob Madge is fantastically brilliant in everything they are in. And they post a lot of their home videos from when they were a kid. Yeah. In kind of a, like, how did my parents not know kind of way. Yes. But also their parents are so supportive. Oh, There's some great videos. Oh, their as well. Some yeah. great videos of their mum being like, oh, you're in a show, we're so proud of you. <laughs> like, it's so cute. Yeah. But there's also some great videos of Rob Madge performing the entirety of The Little Mermaid by themselves. Yes. And at the age of like five, it's now, so good. one of the main reasons I want to talk about Rob Madge is because uh, there has actually already been mm-hmm. a Bedknobs and Broomsticks musical. Yes. In November 2009, whilst they were performing as the Artful Dodger in Oliver, they were also busy behind the scenes writing Bedknobs and Broomsticks as an adaptation starring them and I believe their father as Amelius Brown. Mm -hmm. Robert Madge was, of course, Eglantine Price. Price. And on their Twitter is an absolutely phenomenal programme that they put together and have shared. And I remember seeing very early on in uh, my knowledge of this show, Mm -hmm. Rob Madge saying that they were desperate to be in this show because of the sentimental value it held for them Mm -hmm. and got cast as Norton. So I am very, very excited. Norton the fish. For for them as well. I I love when dreams come true. And Mm -hmm. obviously this is not (laughs) an endorsed adaptation of Bedknobs and Broomsticks. But for Rob Madge to then be able to say that they debuted in this show is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And... Makes me very happy when you see stories like that. Yeah. We also have the wonderfully talented Diane Pilkington. Yes. Who uh, has basically been in every single musical that's ever been in the West End, essentially. But she was in 
Les Mis, she was Fontaine in 1997. Then she went on to be in Tess, Sweeney Todd, The Beautiful Game, Taboo, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Tonight's the Night, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. She's done a lot of pantos, pantos are great. She's been Grizabella, where she met her husband in the cast of Cats. Yeah. She then went on to be in Wicked. As Galinda. As Galinda. She was then in The 39 Steps. Yeah. An absolutely phenomenal CV. Right. Mamma Mia. Young she's Frankenstein. Been Donna. Mm-hmm. So we are seeing a very, very phenomenal performer take on Eglantine, which I think for a role as iconic as it is, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's not hit the zeitgeist in the same way Mary Poppins did, but I think a lot of people have grown up with Angela Lansbury as Eglantine. Mm-hmm. And if you are going to take on this role, you need somebody who is seasoned. Yes. And I think we've got the perfect Eglantine for this show. Mm, me too. None of the other cast appear to have profiles on uh, <laughs> Wikipedia, but you might know some of them more so than I do. I know a few people on here, but only because I've seen them in other shows. Yes. But it will do you no favours for me to tell you, because it's not going to mean anything to you. Yeah, and that's absolutely fine. However, I greatly enjoyed the fact that the cast list has, in the ensemble section, a whole bunch of characters who have names like Sherman the bear yep Norton the fish Angela the bird and then my favorite thing is that it says King Leonidas a lion the lion <laughs> yep now one of the things and I saw Elena talking about this on Twitter with Eglantine Price mm-hmm. they have changed the name from is it Nabambu so in the film, it's called the Isle of Nabumbu. Nabumbu. Now it is Nopipo. Nopipo, yeah. Yes, which I quite like because I think that's supposed to mean no people. Ah, oh, I get it now. I So I saw that in one of the pictures. Yes. And I thought the joke was going to be that whatever the littlest boy is going to call, Charlie, yes. he's going to call it Nopipo. <laughs> and I can live through a Disney movie musical without having a poo or a pee joke no i think it's no people no people that's what i think yeah that's really funny yeah if it is i think that's hilarious as a concept because this is the island of the animals Mm -hmm. well the the theory behind changing it was that the original name was considered to be a little bit racist yeah uh so i'm on board if that's what it actually is is that it's the animals will say it's the Isle of No People and some human has misunderstood what they've said. Yeah. Yeah, it it should be good. That's really funny. So I'm excited to see this one. I think... I mean, I'm very intrigued to see how the travelling sequences work. Mm -hmm. I better see this bed fly. I want to see her ride a broomstick. uh, Right. I want to see them fall into the lagoon. Based on how you've described Chitty Chitty... How can we forget Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Another amazing Sherman Brothers production from that this would year. I'd love to take you to see the stage show off. I, I'm secretly hoping for the bed to work in the same way that Chitty Chitty Bang Bang does. Theoretically, it will, based on the fact that 
the Disney input of this. Mm, are there suffers Chitty wasn't Disney? No. So if they can but do Disney's whole thing is like we do this better than anyone but else. But this is so... but this is a touring production. It's not in the same way mm. that Frozen's you know, basically had Drury Lane completely refurbished for it. This is a touring production. Yeah. Which might then go on to have a you know, a home mm-hmm. on the West End if successful, which by all accounts it will be. Mm-hmm. But I'm intrigued to see how that works. I want to see what they do with the relationship between Eglantine and Emilius. Because I like that it ends open to interpretation. Mm -hmm. You know, my reading of it is they're basically a couple. Yes. But it's never specified. Now... But also he seems to care more about it than she kind of does in the same way that she's not that fussed by the priest guy. Yeah. Who I don't believe is going to be in this version. No. So I'm intrigued to see if they do add more romance to it with more time. Because maybe with more time between the two characters, it'll be okay. Mm I am also very excited to see how substitutionary locomotion works. Yes. Now, obviously, it's not going to be the same way. We know we can have actors mm-hmm. portraying the suits of armour. We have quite a big ensemble here. Now, I'm very excited by all of these things. Yes. Because our set designer, who in this is not just a set designer, we have Jamie Harrison, director of set and illusion design. Right, yeah, that I thought was pretty cool. Incredible. Jamie Harrison previously worked on the Ocean at the End of the Lane. Which the I'm National desperate Theater. to see. We're trying to get tickets as a school because it's Neil Gaiman and the National Theatre have bought it back after a strictly limited run because of how well it did. And I'm desperate to see because it looks amazing. Yeah, they had videos of it in the v- uh, the V&A Museum and yes. I saw some clips of it. It looked Phenomenal. Also, the Pinocchio production that was at the National Theatre, which was widely considered incredible. Yeah. But he also is known for creating the magic and the illusions for Cursed Child. Yeah, that was going to be my guess. Because again, Cursed Child, the magic is phenomenal in that. Like, mm. the, I don't want to say magic because I feel like it. Uh, it says across. magic here. It does, but the illusions and the stuff they do on that stage. Mm-hmm. And I, I have sat in multiple different seats. The last time I saw it, I was in the second row. And I had the most amazing view of the stage. I saw everything and I could not see how they did these illusions. Mm-hmm. They are phenomenal. And if they can bring this to Bedknobs and Broomsticks, we have an amazing show ahead of us. The only thing I've seen from that that is like magic based is mm-hmm. the Dementors. Or is it the Death Eaters? Mm. I think it's Dementors. They, they, are, they both feature. The Dementors float, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so probably Dementors. There's a lot of great magic, and I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, because, you know, keep the secrets. Mm. But um, oh. there is some amazing polyjuice stuff oh, that, that's cool. that is done so well. And I know it's a case of swapping actors, but... Where do the other actors go? And there's there's so much. I'm desperate to see Cursed Child again because I love the spectacle of it. Not so much the narrative, but the spectacle of mm. it. Could be gayer. <laughs> Everything could be gayer. This is true. But yeah, based on 
how much I loved Pinocchio and how much as well because Jamie Harrison also did the puppets and illusions for the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory musical. Which Roald Dahl's assets are now owned by Netflix. Give me a pro shot of the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory musical, please and thank you. But I want the Douglas Hodges one. As much as I love Christian Ball, the Douglas Hodges one oh, was, was better. But it also has to be the UK one. Yeah, that's where we don't have, the UK one. Yeah, but we don't have Russian um, Veronica. I, and Veruca. where we have kids playing the kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. give me the UK. I get why they didn't do that. In yeah, do a revival of that for a season in the UK. Film it, please, Netflix, because that show is a lot better than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. So is there anything before we wrap up and we head to the theatre that you are worried about with this show? Well, now, I, I I really think I'm going to enjoy this show. I don't think I'm going to have any problems with the songs because I'm looking at the song list right now. They look great. Yeah. I think the only thing that would upset me this is so minimal. This is going to sound really petty. You know the song The Age of Not Believing? Yes. I didn't care for it too much. This is what I want, though. Yeah. I want them to turn that into a bigger deal. Yeah. That's the only song from the film that I'm like, this song is so nice. Oh, it's a nice song, but it just... It's really short, like mm-hmm. weirdly short, and also feels like it goes on for a really long time at yeah. the same time. Because not a whole lot is happening. They're just making the bed. I want a big version of Age of Not Believing. Well, because... there's a reprise. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's really exciting. Yeah. But, like, things like Beautiful Briny, like, I don't need to see the characters float around or swim. We can like, suspend I'll our disbelief. live if that doesn't happen. Yeah. But, like, she'd better fly. They've kept in step in the right direction, which that sounds great. I'm... See, this is the thing is, I I, I know. Oh, do you know what we don't need? (laughs) A two hour football match. Yeah, for me, I said at times it was over long. And I think that's because, and it's similar to what I said with Starship. There are moments that should have had a song. Mm -hmm. But this is packed. Right. And I feel like there's a lot of issues with the film where maybe there should have been a uh, song. But now we're going to have a song. And that's going to be fantastic. You know, mm. we've got Bedknob Spell, Bedknob Spell, Reprise 1, Reprise 2, Reprise 3, Reprise 4. That's going to be quite a cool way of doing it. Yes. But this football sequence, A, call it football, please, not soccer. Oh, God, yeah, please. I'm intrigued to see how that works. And I'm hoping there's going to be some really awesome choreography and a nice song and dance number to do that. Yes. Now... Looking at the song list, the third to last song is a reprise of Age of Not Believing, sung by Charlie. Now, in this version of the show, Charlie is played by an adult actor. He looks very young, but it's an adult actor. And then the other two kids, Carrie and... Wait, I'm getting the kids' names wrong. Carrie and Paul. Charlie, Carrie and Paul. Paul's the little one, right? I assume so. Because there's four yeah, actors. Yeah, Cheeky Charlie, he's the oldest one. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got Paul and Carrie are played by child actors who have to be swapped out every so often because of child acting laws. Charlie is played by an adult. He looks 
really young, but he also looks old enough that at this point in World War II, he would have been sent off to war. He's maybe a year out, you know? But if this version of Age of Not Believing is not Charlie saying that he's going to war with Emilius... It'd be interesting, yeah. Like, if that happens, I might cry. (laughs) Yeah, and I think you've got some (laughs) real... it looks great, but that really changes things if he's a bit older because they could lose him at any minute. Yeah. He could just be drafted. Yeah, I I think it'd be very, very interesting. Mm. Yeah. I think this is going to be a really magical experience. I think it's going to be an example of where the stage show, like Frozen, can add more and enhance Mm -hmm. the film. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. Mm -hmm. So... Off to the theatre. Yep. I, uh, I, I've i lost the car keys, but luckily we're travelling by knob. What's that got to do with my knob? Oh, that line's not that in it. That line is better be in it. If <laughs> that line is done. not in it, oh, I don't want to promise zero stars because if I enjoy this and that line's it's not in it, I've got to live by that. I'm going to say it. I'm, I'm going to say it and die by it. If that line is not in this production, we will have our first zero star no, we won't. feature. No matter how good it is, I want to hear the line, what's that got to do with my knob? <laughs> we will be back after intermission. Yes, indeed. <laughs> How pleasant, bobbing along, bobbing along on the bottom of the beautiful briny sea. What a chance to get a better peep at the plants and creatures of the deep. We glide far below the rolling tide. have been to the new Victoria Theatre and we are ready to talk about the brand new musical Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Yeah, I thought you were going to say the Isle of No Peepo. No, I mean we've been there too. Yes, we have. Obviously. Briefly. (laughs) Massive spoiler warning is in effect. Yes. There are, right, yeah. There are going to be big spoilers and we will, hopefully, I will remember famous last words Mm -hmm. i will remember to tag in the episode description when we just give like our final thoughts on mvp best song skip song role we want to play and star rating from that point onwards with the exception of maybe the star rating which again we'll say like there might be a wee bit of spoilers but we'll do our best to stay spoiler free Mm -hmm. from that point onwards yeah if you don't want spoilers, if you just want to know what we thought about this show, check the episode description right mm-hmm. now. Keep your fingers crossed that I remember to add it and skip forward to that time. We'll give you, just give you a second or two. Yeah. 
because because I understand completely. Some people will probably want to hear uh, a review and want to know bit by bit. And I highly recommend seeing this. This yeah. isn't one that we're going to be like, oh, don't bother. No, we both we are... recommend going and seeing this show. It's on tour. Yeah, it's fabulous. Yeah, if you Go are in England it. and you get a chance to it, you know, I actually, uh, I I think Jared good mm-hmm. is going to be coming to it in edinburgh that's the plan currently so cool which you know i i would recommend if you get the opportunity to come and see this show do mm-hmm. it'd be nice if it transferred to america but you might not want to know spoilers which is funny because this is a show well we usually give all the spoilers well i more meant that this is a show based on a film from the 70s so what spoilers could you possibly imagine you'll have to listen and yes. find out uh, what did you think of the theatre? Because we've been to the uh, new Victoria Theatre before. It's our local theatre. We saw Avenue Q there. We saw Avenue Q there, correct. Yes. I and... have seen Rocky Horror there as well. It was quite fun leaving the car parks, watching everyone dressed up for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's cute. But this is your second time going to that theatre? Uh, apparently before. not. I went, well, so we went to see Bedrooms and Broomsticks with my mum and yeah. my brother. And she, my mum informed me... I saw Grease there as a child. Fair enough. At a young enough age that when it was playing, my mum was like, oh yeah, Grease, that's yeah. child friendly. And then we went to see it, she was traumatised. Um, because Grease the musical is not no, child friendly. But yeah, so apparently I saw that there. It's another one that's like quite a local theatre that does good musicals. Oh, that it tour. does phenomenal musicals. Mm. We have spent far more money than we care to admit on booking tickets at this theatre. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are seeing School of Rock there. Um, yeah. By the point this episode releases, we will have seen School of Rock there. Yep. It has some fantastic shows. And it's just a really nice theatre. Yeah, it is. There's some nice lounge areas, which I quite yeah. like, that we were able to sit and just chill before mm-hmm. the show. Yep. And it's... I think you get a, a sense with local theatres... Well, it's the whole thing, isn't it, right now? With With the Tony Awards, which we're not going to go into too much depth about. But everyone's like, you need to keep in mind that the Tony Awards only talk about theatres in their area. Like, it's a local theatre awards ceremony, technically. But there are such good theatres that aren't the West End and aren't Broadway, and Woking is one of them. Yeah, yeah. The the new Victoria Theatre, you go in and it is, like, up there as one of the better theatres. For me, I feel like some of the areas of it are very reminiscent of the Gillian Lynn Theatre. Oh, yeah, I know what you You know what I mean? And it, you know, you would be forgiven for thinking it's a regional theatre. Yep. It's probably not having the same amount of money invested into it as the West End. Mm -hmm. It might not necessarily look as good as West End I would put this theatre up there as one of the best especially for audience experience because I get quite claustrophobic about theatres not about the sitting down watching the bit but the before and after parts getting funnelled in and out of theatres in central London while I love the experience is very stressful and Woking Theatre is so nice Yeah, like it's so big inside which is crazy to me and also just it was nice calm nobody's rushing to get out we were just like strolled in yeah. and out of the theater. Well, we actually had the opportunity to at the end nobody was rushing us out we stood and we watched the orchestra yes we did finish up and if you head over to our brand shiny new tiktok account it's a musical pod uh you can see the video that 
we got of the yeah. wonderful orchestra playing at yeah. the end. So I that had a great time. That surprises me. Yeah. That people leave when the orchestra's still playing. But that's one of those things that it doesn't happen often. Like more often than that, once curtain's gone, that's it. Well, I think that's because more often than not nowadays, the orchestra aren't in a pit anymore. Yeah. Whereas Woking Theatre and the a great orchestra were very, very visible to us, which I like. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I miss being like, able to see the orchestra. Yeah, the whole it, it is very cool. Don't get me wrong. It is very cool when you don't see the orchestra, they're hidden away, and then you find out where they were at the end, and you're like, oh, that's where they were. Cool. Like last five years, it's a small theatre. They did a good job having like a balcony for them to perform at. That was very cool. But it's nice when you can actually see an important part of the experience. Yeah. You know, they are just as big and just as vital to the success of the action on stage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, obviously, this show isn't at the Woking Theatre anymore. It has moved on to tour. Uh, at time of recording, I think it might be in Norwich, which is very, very cool. Mm-hmm. But if you do get a chance across the UK to see this show, you know, we're not just talking about one where you have to travel to our neck of the woods. This show could be coming near you. Funnily enough, it had been my hometown before it came to where I live now. Oh, that's funny. It is funny. So, uh, obviously, spoiler warning, definitely in effect. Now, if you just want to skip forward, you can. But we're going to start talking about the show now. Yeah. I think that this show is cast phenomenally. I agree. Before we come on to the the, the actual performers, though, oh, I say it so often. I love it when we see the world in front of us. Before the show actually starts, you have an image on the stage and you start to make ideas about what's going to happen. We're definitely spoilers from here on out because I'm going to say something now. That is just going to be a big spoiler for this show. Yeah, so spoilers... Here on out. Here on out. There are changes made between the film and the stage version. They haven't been put on the show's Wikipedia yet, but there is a section prepared for it. I'm not going to be the one that edits it. Oh, man. Don't you want to be the person who edits it, though? Kind of, because I feel like I'd write a whole essay about it. But one of the things that I noticed was sat there looking at this wonderful set piece of this bedroom, which, first of all, you can see where the seams of the room are put yeah, together. And I was like, very, very oh, cool. I hope the room explodes outwards, which <laughs> more not that in what a second. I meant. I didn't mean explode. I mean, when you put panels together and then they pull away in separate directions. Which I would have thought it would have been like physical theatre-esque. That's a really nice way to break the imagination. Yes, it's really nice. However, the longer I stared at this, and we went in and sat down about half an, half hour. an hour before the show started just to get settled and in and everything. Yeah. And I started to see things. So I started to see the picture book, The Isle of No Peepo. The wallpaper is a tropical island in yep. the room. There's a toy of the motorbike on the wall. There's the broomstick pattern. There's a book about a good witch. And There's all of this stuff. The crown. Yep, the crown. Of King Leonidas. Yep. And in the... um. You can see there's like a book about fish and stuff as well. And the longer we sat there, the longer I was like, please, please, please don't let the show be a dream. Do not let the outcome of this be that this all happened in like Paul's head 
because all of this stuff is in his bedroom. And obviously it's not his bedroom. Like, I don't know whose bedroom I think it is. It's, I think but it's based the family on the way bedroom, yeah. Yeah. Based on the way it's laid out, there's a lot of toys in this room. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, do not let this be. But I think... This whole show is a dream. It's a really, really cool thing that the show does that you kind of start with this lulled into this false sense of security. You're watching this and it seems innocent enough. It mm. seems safe. And then the show starts. We had a weird thing. I don't know why this happened. Maybe there was something that needed to be changed. I got quiet because the safety curtain came down. And then it went back up. I <laughs> have only seen that happen before twice. Yes. Once was... Uh, I think it was Wicked. Yeah. The safety curtain came down in front of the Oz curtain. And then when it went back up, they'd fixed the light in the Oz yeah. curtain. And... The other time I saw it happen, it was the same way it was here, where you had the whole set in front of you. I cannot for the life of me remember what show it was. But they'd... Oh, what show was it? They were sneaking somebody on stage, essentially. So it had to come down. They came on stage. The curtain goes back up. Nothing has visibly changed, but obviously somebody's come onto the stage. So that comes down, and then we have a few more moments, and then the lights dim. Mm -hmm. And we have this happy family come out and they, they say goodnight to the children, which immediately I know that they are the Rollins family. Mm-hmm. And the two parents say goodnight to our three lovely children. And immediately die. And immediately die. Which, as a way to start, I think is really, really cool. Because right off the bat, you're suddenly, like, shaken. And you are very much in the position that the children are in that you've been quickly unsettled and this whole travel down to Pepperidge Eye mm-hmm. is like, I haven't had time to process what's just happened. I think it's a phenomenal bit of theatre to put us firmly in the shoes of who our protagonist is, mm-hmm. which I actually would argue the protagonist of this, the, 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 the insert self-character is Charlie. Yes. Because we are seeing this through Charlie's perspective, I think. Mm-hmm. And Connor O'Hara, who plays Charlie... Is fantastic. It's just incredible. Uh, I, I think, for me, did a huge job. I didn't like Charlie in the film. I, thought, I don't think you're supposed to, No, but but I agree with you. Charlie just comes across like... I think, if you're not Paul, you have two options with the children. It's kind of there and the closest thing to an obstacle mm-hmm. you don't get that with this version of charlie and there's some really you know early on you are seeing that there is this ptsd that charlie has seen his family destroyed the action now takes place where the building that we had this bedroom that's been ripped apart and you have the ruins of their family home on stage for the entire show at this point yeah and he's clearly suffering this PTSD. He's been thrown into this position of, I am head of the household now. Mm-hmm. We have this gorgeous sequence as they travel. You have this red moon crop up. The yep. lighting changes. It's suddenly more ferocious and fierce. And they keep getting carried everywhere, which yes. is one of my favourite things. Oh, obviously, yeah. we've got little Paul and Carrie, who are both played by child actors. And uh, Connor O'Hara is an adult. He's playing Charlie. But every time they get moved somewhere, 
they don't get to move there of their own accord. They're getting taken places. And it's very much the hustle and bustle of getting yourself on different trains. I mm-hmm. think the um, travelling is such a difficult thing to do in theatre mm-hmm. to make it feel convincing, like you actually have moved from place to place. And the way that they would put you know, the train luggage out and the children would walk up it and then pick it go onto a train and someone else would pick up I and mean, it felt like traveling yeah uh i think you know shout out whilst we're here on topic to sapphire hagen who plays carrie sorry if i'm saying that name wrong yeah and to aiden ot who plays paul oh they were so cute they were fantastic i feel like these kids were so good they were very very good i still feel like carrie is the most underdeveloped of the characters. But there's something really charming about watching, like, actual children. Actual children do yeah, it. and they fixed one of the things that I definitely mentioned when we did our original Bedknobs and Broomsticks episodes, which was that I feel like Carrie is destined to become Apprentice Witch yes. to Eglantine Price. And they had references to that in this one. Like, mm. Nice. Good. I liked that. But again, I think Paul really is like the heart of this family mm. and this this new family with Eglantine. Paul does a tremendous job considering like professional debut. Yes. I think it's a professional debut for all of the, the children. Yeah. Certainly it looks like it is for Connor O'Hara. So we have this really nice travelling. There's not a word that has been spoken yet on stage. In the way that Nobody, no adults, when you're dealing with a situation, think to talk to the children. Right. They don't talk to them. They're just moving them places. And then we get them into the uh, museum in Pepperidge Eye. Yes. And you have this big set piece of this door, which they go through. And oh, it it's turns so around. nice. And it looks amazing. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like we are watching something that definitely comes from the film. You've got the suit of armour. You've got the flags. Mm-hmm. Oh, this it's so whole great. show really gives me 39 steps vibes from its have you seen that no oh okay well at some point we will go and see it it's not a musical but it's a really good show in the way that the set is utilized yeah because everything is moved by the cast mostly the ensemble but a couple of times it's the leads as well and Everything gets pushed around. There's a couple of things on tracks, but mostly they are moving a set piece onto the stage and putting a break on it yeah. so that it will stay there and then they move it when it needs to go other places, mm. which means you get wonderful things like the kids walking through a door and then the door getting spun yeah. around and them coming out and now they're facing And us. I love that. I think as a... That's something I've done a lot of when I've created shows. Obviously, I work in a school setting. We don't have the budget. But it's nice. Like we did, had really nice cars. We Greece. did that for uh, the line, the witch in the wardrobe. That you had the wardrobe, and they went in it, and then you turned it around, and that's when you saw like wider, and you saw the coats, and they came out the wardrobe, and mm-hmm. it was so nice to have this transformation into Narnia because that is the hardest thing to do in Narnia as a stage show is the that moment, the transition. Yeah, yeah. So I love it when I see that done well. I've seen it done badly enough in dress rehearsals. I'm like, nope, do it again. Get it right. We've got to make this moment perfect. And it it flowed here brilliantly. So we go, we, we, we get similar kind of exchange. You've got, I don't remember the character's name, but you've got the, the character who's like, I'll take as many evacuees as I can to work on my farm. I wish I could tell you. 
again. It's, I mean, it's the wonderful Susanna Vandenberg. Yes. Who is just so funny. It's Mrs. This. Mason. Mrs. Mason. Susanna Vandenberg was incredible in She's this. so funny. The whole ensemble is, and it makes it very difficult because we have to have a discussion on MVP at the end of this. Yes. But the whole ensemble is great. Mrs. Mason is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I love kind of the way she's like, you're going to come over with me, evacuees, whether you like it or not. She's been <laughs> in some previously wonderful shows. Oh, including yeah. Including playing Pirelli in the UK Tourist Sweeney Todd. That is very, very cool. That's mm-hmm. a very, very interesting decision, and I like that. Yeah, same. But she was also in The Lime Witch and the Wardrobe uh, in Kensington Gardens, and she was Miss Hannigan. Oh, I could see that. And then... Well, she was also Bert Healy and Mrs. Pugh, and yeah. then cover Miss Hannigan in the UK tour of Annie. She was the Queen of Hearts in Alice in Wonderland at the Rose Theatre. Like she's been a wonderful amount of people. Yeah, but we also meet Mrs. Holiday, and Mrs. Holiday oh, is Mrs. fantastic Holiday. as well. Like we talked about it with Frozen, that it is really nice when minor characters that literally just exist to move the plot on get some kind of expansion. We mm. got that with Hugo and we get that with Mrs. Holiday. You know, the catchphrase of, I look after the museum, the heritage for Pepperidge Eye, and I am overseeing the orphans and I am the postmistress. Yep. Yes, substitutionary locomotion as a t-shirt is great, but I wanted that on a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mrs. Holiday is fantastic. And again, another phenomenal CV when you look at things like Rent, Children of Eden. Uh, I think, They've got such a great cast that you don't always expect to see with regional theatre sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mrs. Holiday goes off to inquire as to Eglantine Price's uh, location. Mm-hmm. She promised she'd be here for the evacuees. So, in the meantime, we get the children talking about, now it's time to run, come on, we can go. Yes. And, and we get nobody's problem yeah a song from the original cut of the show yes of the film sorry that ended up getting filtered out as the film went on throughout history but also has been reutilized here to be used a couple of different times and it's fantastic this yeah. is so there's so many instances in this show of times where they've taken something from the original and just made it better and we're, yeah. we're going to get to one of them in two songs. Yeah. But. Yeah. So so I really like is it, this one definitely is nobody's problem where they're talking about what life with Miss Price will be like. Or is that Miss Price? I believe. No. So nobody's problems is where they're singing about how Charlie's trying to convince them that they're, but they're all going to be fine. There's yeah. no adults to worry about them. Like they are literally nobody's problems. Yep. It's all good. And then we get. And then we get them talking about what Miss Price is going to be like, because the only understanding they have of her is that Mrs. Mason had said uh, Miss Price would forget her head if it wasn't screwed on, yep. and that, oh, there'll be a fat chance of her showing up to collect the children. Yeah. Does she does she mention anything about Miss Price being a witch as well, or is it the first instinct we get is the kids talking about, maybe she's a witch, or feed us disgusting things like... Charlie says she'll be a witch, yeah. yeah. So I really like this. It, it's a really fun little sequence that... You know, the kids are trying to keep the spirits up. Yeah. But there's also an element of we are nervous. What 
is this woman who is going to take us in be like mm-hmm. they've still not had the time to overcome you know the death of their parents and now they're instantly meeting their new for all intents and purposes mother figure yep and paul is more excited but charlie is like trepidatious it's a fun number and i think it does everything that it should do yeah so we get the the start of an inkling that the kids are determining the outcome of this story essentially yes so charlie says she'll be a horrible witch will feel feed us he names a bunch of things dragon's wings but like things specifically from the film yes and Carrie says that she'll be, uh, she'll probably be stern but kind. Yes. And won't remember us much. Yeah. Which we then go on to have things like her forgetting the kids' names all the time. Yeah. And then Paul, who says that she'll be really nice. Yeah. And that they'll have adventures. And all three of them get what they want out As of this. If on cue, Eglantine shows up. Oh yeah, Paul says she'll have a motorbike. Yes. And we'll go on adventures in her motorbike. And then we hear The motorbike. Except we it's not a motorbike. No. It's uh an air raid. Yeah. But it's the planes flying overhead. Yeah. And they you see them get triggered, it's the PTSD again, especially yeah. from Charlie. Charlie which is like so dives important. and grabs the other kids and bundles them into a corner to get down. Yeah. So, enter Eglantine Price. And yes. I just want to take a second to talk about how awesome Diane Pilkington is. Mm-hmm. So, we said before that the early images we had seen of Diane Pilkington, she looked like Eglantine Price. Yep. Like, there definitely has been a glow up. We love you, Eglantine Price. We love you, Angela Lansbury. But let's just take a second to rave about her sense of style yeah and how much more impressive it is mm-hmm. her costumes look phenomenal and yeah they're so nice and diane pilkington walks in like this rock star mm-hmm. you know i think mary poppins is obviously iconic but what i've gathered in the time since bed knobs and broomsticks eglantine price is up there and the only reason I think hasn't necessarily been involved in the conversation as much as Mary Poppins, I think is more Disney's marketing of Mary Poppins as like quintessential Disney live action animated blend. Yeah. Well, this is going to become relevant later on yeah. in the podcast, but Disney in recent years. I don't know whether this has anything to do with the the way that they certificate the age ratings on movies now, but, and like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've noticed recently that Disney are big on making sure that there's no way we can perceive the hero characters as anything other than pure white knights who save the day. Yeah. There is no room for grey area with our heroes here. And Eglantine is pretty grey compared to Mary Poppins. Definitely. She's getting involved in war. Yeah. Like, even though we're against the Nazis, despite the fact that we're not allowed to call them that in this version of the show. More on that in a bit. That, having your main character get involved in any kind of fighting, any kind of war that could lead to somebody else's death, 
is a grey area for Disney. Yeah. If you look at things like the Beauty and the Beast remake, if you watch the original Beauty and the Beast, the Beast kills Gaston straight up. Throws it's the him. Beast's fault. Yeah, off a cliff. In the new version of it, all plays out exactly the same up to the part where Gaston should fall off the side of the building and instead the building crumbles underneath him yeah. and it's not the Beast's fault. He has no fault here at all. And it's the same over and over again, with the exception of things like Cruella, which is an, an interesting take. I know you haven't seen yeah. that yet. But... Hey, have you? I've seen bits. Okay. Not the whole thing. I've no interest in watching the whole thing. I've seen things. But they have this big thing about making sure that they have lead characters who can only defeat villains with courage and kindness, but yeah. no violence. Which, first of all, I'm completely on board with. It's one of my favourite things about Cinderella as a storyline, with like the Disney version <laughs> more than anything else. But, you know, you use your kindness and your courage and you accept what you can't change, but you also fight to change what you can. Yeah. Great, here for that. That's a very Mary Poppins sentiment. Yeah. Because even in the stage version, when she does end up having a face-off against the evil nanny Mrs Andrews, and ends up... Which is a weird choice to name your character, considering who, yeah. you know, originates I th- I the I think it's of... Mrs. Andrews, something like that. Anyway, she puts her in a giant birdcage yes. and sends her to hell. Yeah. Um, however, technically it's her in hubris, mm-hmm. so she doesn't do any of the bad side. stuff. She's just locking her dark side away, that's all it is. Yeah, so this is a very slowed down, sanitised white knight version of this story yeah it is diane pilkington has a phenomenal cv oh yeah she's great phenomenal actor and you can see that she oozes confidence when she's on the stage she is eglantine price this is a role that could be very difficult because of the legacy Mm. so eglantine arrives and has the exact same demeanour that we would expect of the character. More interested in her broom-shaped parcel Mm -hmm. than the children. Has already forgotten about the arrangement. Nope, that simply won't work. And we have the agreement with Mrs Holiday that she will find someone else to look after the children. Mm -hmm. And off they go. Now, one of my favourite things here, it's very reminiscent of Wind in the Willows, is how they build Eglantine's motorcycle. Oh, it's so nice. It's so nice. Now, we have had some Rob Madge sightings before, but they make the biggest impact so far at this moment because Rob Madge plays the award-winning role of front front wheel, but has the biggest smile on their face in doing so. It's absolutely hilarious. I don't think I watched anything that was happening in the scene. I did, mostly because I wanted to see what else was going on. No one else who who had made up the bike Mm. had that expression on their face. I loved it. It's just a Rob Madge thing. I love them. What they did is they had the wheel and they have like um, a little uh, crank to spin the wheel as it goes, which is no, fantastic. No, Rob Madge's wheel, they are doing it just with their finger. They're just oh, rolling the wheel, yeah. I loved it, and they so were great. Funny. As the sequence goes, it's really nice because you've got the jumping and you've got the slow motion to show, like, the journey. Again, this show does journeys fantastically. And they arrive at Eglantine Prices. We have a really nice journey once more 
to the bedroom and we do get the sense that they have gone through this big creepy house Mm -hmm. now there is no cosmic creepers yep but we do get a portrait of cosmic creepers Mm -hmm. and there's a nice moment where the the portrait is askew so Eglantine corrects it and then Charlie puts it back as it was and is like laughing with Paul. Yeah, he you... turns to Paul and is like, shh, and then yeah. they run up the stairs. And it's really nice because you get this bond between the two boys, which I really, really liked. And they refuse eating. They don't like the sound of the food that Eglantine is going to prepare for them. So they go to sleep because Charlie has the great idea that if you're asleep, you don't need to eat. Eglantine doesn't insist on them eating because she is more excited in her package. package yeah she doesn't even bother to check whether or not they're actually asleep she's just like cuckoo down you go yes and we get a step in the right direction mm-hmm. i love eglantine's excitement whereas before her demeanor has been quite proper yeah at this point you feel like a kid on christmas and they want to see what santa has bought for them mm-hmm. and is so eager they forget themselves they forget the world and there is no other way to explain the sequence than just the broom is magic. Mm-hmm. Because the broom is magic. The broom is magic. The broom is magic. Yeah. The broom has a mind of its own, a life of its own, and <laughs> wrestles with Eglantine, which is fantastic. It'll fly up for a bit, but then it'll just go off on its own. It's amazing. I honestly, and I, I saw people on Twitter after we watched the show being like, I just don't know how the bed worked. The bed's great. I know how the bed works. I've seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. But I don't want to know how the broom works. And I'm somebody that loves to know theatre secrets and theatre magic. But this broom is just a magic broom that can fly. And the fact that it is able to fly with Eglantine on it as well Mm -hmm. is very, very cool. One of the things I like about this is you have Amelius Brown speaking the letter to Eglantine. Oh, that's so cool. But it's just his back. We don't see him i like that i thought it was a really good introduction because you start to get to know his mannerisms the way of talking the fun thing with the broom and this is the bit that a lot of the uh audience like what how not only has this broom lifted up eglantine's fly it goes through a window frame Mm -hmm. there are no wires there can be no wires it went through a window it went through a window frame right that's why it's magic i love it it's like misdirection everyone's like well they're both on wires if they were on wires, the wires would have got tangled on the frame. There's no way they're on wires. Like, mm. it's great in terms of, like, the illusion crafting to be like, yeah, you think you know where it's going, and then we're going to knock you for six because wires couldn't go through this window frame. Yeah. It's amazing. I loved it. It really is. And while this is all happening, we get Step in the Right Direction, yes. which is another song from the musical that was sort of semi-cut. There's hints of it in the yeah. movie. And this song is so funny because it is one of those songs from the original one that you're kind of like, I get why this was cut. Yeah. But for this song to be happening, it's very speaky and wordy. For this to be happening while she's also trying to get the broom to fly, it just becomes funny that she's trying to say all of these lyrics, but also (laughs) keep up with the broom that's keeping away from her. One of the bits I like is we cut to the kids' perspective and they're looking out the window, planning to escape. And we see the little puppet version of Eglantine on the broom. I love the little puppet version. It's fantastic. And then the puppet falls into Mm -hmm. a bush and and suddenly it's human Eglantine. Wow. Mm -hmm. 
great transition there as well, like <laughs> seamless. We have the kids looking out of the window and Paul's like, she's flying. She's on a broom. And Charlie's like, oh, come on, don't be stupid. Yeah. And Carrie's like, no, he's right, Charlie. And, and like, they all stare oh out the window my, and they're like, a witch. this can work so well to our yeah. advantage. So she storms back in half a broom because mm-hmm. the broomstick's broken from her fall. And the next morning, the kids are clearly like, oh, hmm, something's going on. Charlie very clearly has something hidden behind there's, his Yeah, back. there's some nervous energy, but also excited energy because we're going to have some uh, negotiality. I loved this song. I love this song. And I love it in terms of it feels like a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious type word. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the way it's sung has the potential to be proper tongue twister. Mm. So I think it's a great number. And I keep finding myself doing the the yeah. hand. You obviously can't see me. We're a podcast. But he does this thing where he puts his fists on top of each other. And then as he swaps them around, he does a thumbs up because he's turning zeros into ones. Yeah, It's really cute. This is a great number. And what I like is we've got some cheeky Charlie, Mm -hmm. but he feels so much more personable. Just the whole like PTSD thing is a great touch to him. He's not this grumpy adolescent. He is still fun. He's just dealing with A very stressed out child. Yeah, Yeah. I love it. And And in response to him saying that he will blackmail her. Filigree apogee pedigree <laughs> and then she can never remember what that yeah, last word I, I is i can't remember what the last word is it's perigee yeah it's perigee yeah and this sequence is phenomenal the transformation is done so well because it's like slow transformation they don't just make connor o'hara disappear they make him turn piece by piece into a rabbit. Yeah, so we see that he gets a little bunny tail and he turns and now he's in a bunny pose. He's got bunny ears, he's got a nose, he's twitching and then you see him suddenly just disappear. Mm, and we get the wonderful rabbit puppet. The rabbit puppet is oh, incredible. The, before we talk about the puppet, the other thing that they do with this is the ensemble are the magic. Yes. And they all have these little lights on the end of their fingers that as they come in, they light up and they create the magic swirling around. Yes. It's all, this whole show is about magic and misdirection. And while they're doing that and they're sort of snapping these little lights in front of the audience's eyes, Charlie is turning into a rabbit. It's very cool. It's so clever. But the puppet, what is so awesome about it is there's so much life. It's got like Charlie's clothes on. He's gorgeous. But it does, I want one of those puppets. Right. Like if they were selling them at the theatre on tour, I would get one. Same way I want a goose from Warhorse. In the immortal words of Paul, can I keep him? I prefer him as a rabbit. Oh, yeah, that's great. When he turns back, he goes, oh, Charlie yeah. preferred you as a rabbit. It's great. Yeah, he gets turned back. It's fantastic. We learn that Eglantine is no longer going to get any more spells because business is, is out due to the war. So mm. she's obviously disappointed. But they come up with a plan that they can actually get to London. Yep. We're going to use this bed knob. Now, I have to give this show zero stars, don't I? Mm -hmm. I said I would do it. We don't get the line where Paul says, what's that got to do with my knob? We don't, but we do get a good line too. We do get the line where he he pulls out his pockets. Lovely bit of string. string. (laughs) So I'm going to go back on my guarantee that the show would be zero stars because I forgot how much I love that line as well. It probably makes sense to cut the... 
what's that got to do with my knob line? Because I feel like it would just defeat the purpose. Yeah, it we'd all have a good charm. laugh at it, but yeah. it wouldn't be as charming. No, but he's... He, he's he taking... looked straight at the audience when he said lovely bit of string yeah. there, and I was and like... Woo. Some great timing from his performance. He's taken the knob off the bed and he's put it in his pocket, and Eglantine sees it and says, yes, that's exactly what I need. The spell has the same beats. It's a cute little song um, that when they reprise it each time it works, it's not a big, elaborate number, which I like. It is just magically bestowing power on this object Mm -hmm. which is cool the spell doesn't work though because charlie doesn't believe because he's in the betwixt stages and we get the age of not believing which is a song i didn't care for much in the first one yeah i think it's different here because i actually do care more about charlie Mm, definitely because charlie is old before his time like it's not that Charlie is just non-fun loving. We've seen that with negotiality. It's just there's a there's a limit to how far Charlie's willing to go. And I think it's it's the idea of going back to London. You know, for Sweeney Todd, there's no place like London. But for Charlie, that is the last place he wants to be, given mm-hmm. what they've just escaped from. And I like that touch for the age of not believing. And it shows that Eglantine still has some learning to do because despite this big war effort, you know, she's told the kids that this is why they have to keep her magic secret. They are going to save the war from the shadows, from the enemy, because that's what we call them in this. And that her work is important and it must be done in secret. She isn't thinking about actually what Charlie's been through. So the age of not believing isn't a case of trying to convince a child that it's magic. It's just, come on, we can do this. But she Mm -hmm. doesn't quite understand why he needs this. I liked it, though. It it comes across a lot better here. Yeah, and I've seen some commentary about how Age of Not Believing goes from being about the power of make-believe and what it can do for for you in the original one to, hey, believe in yourself if you can't believe in anything else. I like it. For this version of Charlie, I feel like it's important that he has something... To hold on to because he yeah. lost everything yeah, else. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's like the gift that she's giving him without realising is you can still be a child. It's great. Mm-hmm. So he believes now. And also it works. There is no cosmic creepers to kind of scare him onto the bed. So he has to go willingly. Yep. We get the reprise and the bed flies. Yeah. It is just magic. And it's a, gr- a great sequence. I love that the bed itself... There's the projections or something on it, you know, to show the traveling and the magic flowing from the bed knob into the rest of the bed. And yes, they travel. And it's amazing. It's a phenomenal set piece. You could feel the audience like, wow, oh, wow, this is great. And they arrive in London directly at Emilius Brown's. And he's a, he's a street performer. They've What I like here is that the bed has taken them directly to where he is. Yes. As opposed to round the corner because again i said that was something i had issue with this is funny though because the people around him thought that he made the bed appear yeah which is great we've started with him in the middle of a performance and we're seeing that it's not going well he is a con man it's a very good way at establishing that Mm -hmm. charles brunton is another great casting has starred opposite jonathan price in his debut in a production of nine cool he was in Oliver. I can so see that. 
he has also portrayed Monsieur Deag and Lumiere in Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. And while I, I'm quite curious, I'd love to know because it was a UK tour. I would oh, love to know if they were in the same one. So it lists Diane Pilkington as national tour and him as UK tour. So who knows? He was Squidward he was in Squidward. the UK premiere of SpongeBob SquarePants. And he was Dr. Gangle in Love Never Dies. Mm-hmm. He also played Miss Trunchbull in Matilda. Yeah. I like the Miss Trunchbull role. He was also Gordon Shakespeare in Nativity. Really? Yep. That's so cool. I didn't see that on his and list. That's very cool. I can certainly see this mm-hmm. based on the energy that we were presented with for Amelius Brown. Yeah. Was Dr. Frankenfurter in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I can absolutely see So that. again, we have a the calibre of the actor taking on this role is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I think Charles Brunton was fantastic. The accent was great. I think uh, the chaotic energy of Amelius Brown in this. I love the trick that Amelius does to steal the necklace, where you've got the necklace, you're transforming this dirty old thing into something fabulous, and we put a you know feather boa, into a feather boa yeah, yeah. and then gets caught. This and is a very nice way to put this in early, so yeah. that we get a hint of it later on. There's another moment where Rob Madge steals focus, mm-hmm. just like Aladdin in Twisted. I love it because they are standing at the edge of the stage with with, with a, a, a counterpart. Mm-hmm. I, it looked like they were in a romantic, you know. Like... Yeah, it was supposed to look like a couple walking yes. past him and Rob Madge is trying to convince their partner that they should go over and see what uh, Emilius is doing. And the partner is having another like, no. Yeah, but <laughs> again, interested. it's one of those great things that you're looking there, but there's so much going on on stage. I joke about stealing focus. They don't steal focus. There's such a lot to see in this show. They, they, yeah, and they've really thought about the sight lines and they've really thought about what... Oh, I say it all the time. Acting isn't just like acting, it's reacting. And it's other characters reacting to the world in front of them that makes it so fun to watch one of my favorite things that shows up here and then comes back into call later on is that he does the um i'm sure there's an actual name for this yeah he stomps on the back of his bag yes and what is supposed to happen is his stick flies into the air and then when you catch it it turns into a bigger stick And he tries it three times and it doesn't work yeah. any time. And then at the end, he stomps on the bag and confetti comes out yeah. instead. I like it. It's, it's a lot great. of fun. <laughs> they are sweating buckets by the end of this. I don't blame them. It's God, a big yeah. costume and a lot of energy this for this cape number. This is like yeah. huge. Loved it. Great introduction. The bed shows up. Amelius is like, wow. And then here's the name Eglantine. Knows that they're in trouble. Yep. Tries to scarf her. Yep. And immediately gets turned into a bunny. Gets turned into a rabbit. Another phenomenal transformation. It was done so well. I loved, again, loved it. You know, we don't have any of this cruel rabbit handling in this one. No, that's true. It's great. Emilius also mentions your favourite D&D spell. Precision. Yep. Yeah, we (laughs) we were sat, we were like two rows back from the, literally from the front, great seats. And when they said press to digitate, me and Danny were like, yeah. <laughs> well, so yeah, this is it. We we booked way in advance and then your mum and, and Jake booked a few weeks ago and they had the row in front. Mm-hmm. And so we're completely off topic for a second here, but just want to talk about, you know, something nice. Our good deed. For Our the good day. deed. So we were sat initially next to a mother and their child and this poor little girl 
couldn't necessarily see. She could not see. see. There was a two adults in front of her. She was never going to be able yeah, to see. Yeah, she can't see. So at the interval, your mum and Jaquan swap seats with us because your mum just feels a little bit cramped with the knee room. Absolutely fine. Yep. So we swap. And then we see this woman and her child coming back in. And I... Do you know what? No harm. I say, can she see everything okay? Because we're happy to swap. So and we that... talked about this in advance as well. Yeah. We were saying, oh, it's a shame she can't see. I wonder whether if we asked her to swap with my mum, that she would swap. Yeah. It felt weird to be like, hey, do you want to swap with those guys? Yeah. And because I think they'd recognise that I'd been sat next to them mm-hmm. through Act 1, I'd said can she see okay? Because we're happy to swap. And she says, no, we're fine. I said, we really are because we've swapped places because, you know, that's our family back there. Yeah. So we're very happy to swap. And the mum is kind of like, I'm not going to say yes, turns to her daughter and says, do you want to sit in the front row? And her face lights up. She was so pleased. And we swap places. And it's amazing. She sat there at the start of Act 2, big smile on her face. If anything, our view is still great. We were... In, you know, like we were in exactly the exactly same, same space, space. but it's nice because as we we're going back in, there was a, a man behind who I went in after you. He says, That's one of the nicest things I've ever seen. Yep, I was just like, Do you know what? You've made theatre magical for this, this, this child who mm. was struggling through act one. You could see it was like perking up at moments, like the magic, but then couldn't see things through no fault of the man in front. You know, it oh, is just no. one of those things, so you know, made my day as well doing mm. something nice, also. Off of that, yeah. the guy who was sat in front turned around and I had my first ever, I don't know if anybody said it to you before, but my first instance of someone being like, are you reviewing the show? Yeah. And we were like, yes, yes, we are. Yeah. So if you're we listening, <laughs> you know, thank you for treating <laughs> Cheers, us it was nice. like legitimate journalists. <laughs> That's certainly what we strive for. Yes. So, uh so she turns him to a rabbit, turns him back fairly quickly. And one of my favourite things when people get turned back from a rabbit yeah. is that Paul is always holding them. Yes. Which is hilarious because obviously he's about four foot. Yeah. And this is a, a very a, tall man. Yeah. We get um, another bed knob spell. I love Amelius's reaction to the to it working. Mm-hmm. And then we go into Amelius's flat. Now this isn't um, a... A big mansion with a bomb just outside of it. I like that it's I'm a dingy glad that flat. They changed it, yeah. It's quite nice that he's like he's living in a state. But it's again, they're making him a less bad person. Yeah. Because our heroes all have to be But I it's one of the things okay, we're in a play with magic and everything like that. It just feels not believable that anyone in in something you can't control, like a bomb, that you would be that close to it. Which, like, fair enough, that's why he's squatting there. But I feel like this makes him more genuine and more realistic and not necessarily likeable. I just it felt he more realistic. You also get a really nice thing where the, the legs of the bed yeah. land in things. Yeah. So it lands, like, in a suitcase and on a stack of books. and So that they can... So that it's really interacting yeah. with the room around it. Yeah. And the room is a state. Now, one of my favourite things, they have a skeleton. And... His arm fell off. His arm fell off. It was so funny. But a credit to the actors because they're dancing with the skeleton. Obviously, it's missing an arm. They just went with it. You would not have known. I think we only noticed it because we were so close. Mm-hmm. I don't it made think. Me laugh. Yeah, but they 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 covered it with it like pros. And we go into Eglantine. Eglantine. So Eglantine. Eglantine. She's Eglantine, just looking for the book. Eglantine. 
it's a great and, and all he wants is a double act he doesn't want to marry her he just wants to perform with her mm-hmm. i love this song i liked it in the first version i like it in this version the energy is great there's even more sweat from him because <laughs> his energy like he's so like chaotic and it works really well yeah they find the book it is in half and they need to recover its second part so it's off to portobello road we get the third reprise of bed knob spell mm-hmm. and yeah i love 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 portobello road i think they did an absolutely phenomenal job of capturing this yep but also getting rid of some of the more aged out bits mm-hmm. i think the costume design was fantastic I think the choreography was magnificent. You got the sense of culture. You got the sense of this being this really important hub in the world. Yeah. There are no questionable prostitutes. This is true. You also don't have the weird interlude with the dancing of different We have the countrymen. soldiers from different countries yeah, all dancing. Which I didn't like. I can understand why people like it. I just, for me, it was... Can we not all just dance to the same song? You know, why do we have to make these guys it's, dance to this and these guys dance also, to this? Also, you're not a huge fan of when we interrupt a song for a dance break that has different music to the rest of the song. Yeah. Which I would agree with. But, but yeah, this is so nice, especially because we get very highlighted members of the ensemble. Yes. And they all run forwards. They have their own lines in this part, but they're also moving stuff and throwing stuff and catching things and it's incredible so it's all choreographed down to a t oh the choreography is amazing and this is the biggest set piece we've had so far mm-hmm. like this feels the most musical theater and it is the right number to do this with yeah it's phenomenal i loved it mm-hmm. i love all the little vendors that come out you know that we have all everyone sells something different it feels like a market Mm-hmm. and it's great it's it's absolutely fantastic they have no luck finding the book we do not have knife to see you to see you knife <laughs> which is a shame no instead they just strike it lucky and they find like a final bookseller i like that actually i like, I like this guy as well the final bookseller <laughs> they go up to him and he's like hello how can i help you today and then very they rare book him. that one yeah and then when they finish with their conversation, they then turn back to him and he goes, hello, how can I help you today? Yeah, like and literally, just, memory of a goldfish. It reminds me of the worm from Labyrinth. Yeah, it was very cool. <laughs> I liked it as a running joke. So he has got the second half of this book, very, very rare, £10. Yeah. They don't have £10. So Paul, doing the cutest thing ever, says, would you trade it for my book? Mm-hmm. And the book salesman looks and goes, Wow, this is the, like the uh, first edition of Isle of the No Peepo. Yeah. It's like, Absolutely, I'll trade it for you. And everyone's like, No, you don't have to, Paul. You don't have to. He's like, But I want to. So they trade it. Mm-hmm. And then they realize that the, the spell, spell they need is on the Star of Astaroth, worn by the King of No Peepo. And poor little Paul is like, I know where that is. Yeah. He wants his book back. And then we have. Well, hello there. Yeah. How can I help you today? And then, so Charlie does his negotiality again. Negotiality. He says he's going to trade the spells of Astaroth 
for the Isle of No Pipo, but Professor Brown is like, no, I want the spells. So he says, okay, Miss Price, you've got all the spells written down in a book, so you're going to give the your spell book to Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown's going to give the spells of Astaroth to the bookseller, and the bookseller's going to give us the Isle of No Pipo. And as they, they do the trade, he negotiality. Yeah, it's great. Love it. And then they realise that they can't actually read the spell on the book, so it's back oh, onto it's too the, little. back onto the bed. Another bed knob song, and off they go to No Peepo. One of my favourite things is that his first edition book is just as expensive. It's still ten pounds. It's not like it's like that will be thirty pounds. Oh, yes, yeah, the same price. It's the same line for this book vendor, and I love it. And just when we are in the most precarious position. We get a brief intermission. Yeah, we get the interval here. Really, really well-placed interval, I think. Yes, I agree. And I love the fact that the safety curtain comes down and it looks like the sea. Because mm-hmm. we know where we're off to. Yeah, because the, the end of Act 1 is the bed sinking into the ocean. So we come back. We have swap seats at this point. Yep. <laughs> we have made a child's night. Mm-hmm. And we are in the Isle of... No Peepo sequence. In being the keyword there. Yes, because we're in the lagoon at this point. Mm-hmm. Because there's been some confusion with the bed knob spell. Um, you have to be really specific. And Charlie says it at the end of Act 1. Yeah. Is because... Uh, what does he say? Paul says, take us to the Isle of No Peepo. Yeah. And Charlie says... The island, the actual island. Yeah. Take us to the island of yes, no people. So you have to be really specific. And again, love that because I felt that it was too easy with the rules of the bed yeah. in the film. This, like, there's a science to it, to this magic, mm-hmm. which I like. Whereas actually they miss by a couple of foot and <laughs> land straight in the lagoon. Yeah. And we get just the best, best way to possibly start bobbing along. Well, yeah, we have like a really nice, uh, like, entreact to start. Yes. We have the cutest little way to introduce the beautiful Briny because we have Paul singing Beautiful Briny C. And Eglin and as Ty. They start singing, they start to push on these wonderful, luminescent <sighs> seaweed trees that are fantastically the, big. Everything about this underwater design is great. The costumes being this, like, electric blue. But the set design again, and you'll be able to see pictures. Follow Bed Knobs on stage on Twitter. Follow Rob Madge on Twitter because they have a very prominent role in a moment and they have posted a lot of uh, moments from this sequence. And specifically a picture of the outfit that they wear when they are in this Yes, sequence. and you see exactly because the whole Mustache ensemble. And all. Yeah, the whole ensemble are in this this kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. But yes. But yeah. So as they as the bed starts to sink, this was one of those moments in the show where I was just like, I'm, I will die. This is so cute. Yeah. The bed starts to sink to the bottom of the lagoon. And Paul goes, how lovely, bobbing along, bobbing along on the bottom of the... And Eglantine interrupts him and is like, that's lovely, Paul. Yes. <laughs> like now, she wants him to shut up. I was a little bit worried at that point because I was thinking... Are they going to cut that? Is that all we get from this? Because we go straight into No Peepo Lagoon after that. And I thought, is that what they're doing with Beautiful Briny? It's like, do you know what? Props to them. Like, that's bold of them. Sure. Yeah. And then we get No Peepo Lagoon going into yes. the Beautiful Briny. We do. Which is interesting. I actually saw somebody tweet the other day and say, do you call it 
the beautiful briny or do you call it bobbing along yeah i've always called it bobbing along but it is the beautiful briny we talked about this the last time which i was like i'm gonna call it bobbing along yeah same Especially because, again, it triggers those memories of my Disney VHS. Yeah. <laughs> singing a song. But you have, but your opening was bobbing along. Yeah. Anyway. With the we... little seahorse that Winnie's. Yeah, God, yes. that is such a visceral memory. <laughs> I am sure that is on TikTok somewhere. Yeah. We get Rob Madge out for their named role, Norton, a fish. And the Norton puppet is incredible out they come and norton's a little bit concerned as are our protagonists and they need to clear up the delicate issue of the fact that no one is going to eat the other Mm -hmm. and i love the fact that one of the children says well we're kind of worried you're going to eat us and norton says funny that because we're worried about the same thing. I was just going to ask you the same yeah. thing. And now that that's out of the way, they bring out all of the other fish. The fish. And we learn that there is a dance competition and the winner gets to go for dinner with the, king. with the king. Yes. I want a fish. They are so cute. The Nor- I, I don't mean a real fish. I no. mean one of these puppets. The Norton puppet. Cute. I specifically want to be the Norton puppet. The Norton puppet blinks. Yeah. But again, Rob Madge does a phenomenal job. We're hearkening back to Frozen here. Mm -hmm. Does a phenomenal job at bringing this puppet to life. Yeah. Whilst also maintaining their personality. Mm -hmm. And you are drawn to Norton, but you can't help but look at Rob Madge. Yeah. Well, I always want to see both. Yeah, same. So you watch both, but you almost wouldn't notice. Yeah. So we get this really brilliant number. Centre stage, please, Rob Madge, where you belong. <laughs> yeah. And then we we crossfade into bobbing along. There's a really lovely moment. So you get Norton singing and then we cut to Eglantine and Amelius who are bickering. Back to Norton, back to Eglantine who's like, oh, I can't make you dance. Amelia's going, nope, absolutely not. You cannot make not me dance. Not a single thing you could ever do to make me dance. Back to Norton, back to Eglantine. He says, if you dance with me and if we win... I will be your assistant. And Amelia's is like, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And we get this really brilliant number, which, you know, basically becomes bobbing along. I feel like they've really pushed the romance angle here in this sequence more so than they ever did before. Yes. Which, fine, got no issue with that. I think it works quite nicely. It's a slow dance. They tango, they waltz. I love the way they do the dancing of, like, having Eglantine on her back and moving as if she is in the sea. It's great. Mm-hmm. But they don't win. They don't. And it's great. Yes. I was... This is... Well, so from this point on... A lot is different. There's a lot different. Yeah. So if you've listened up to here... We'll give you a spoiler warning. warning. This is our third of the episode, yes, because there's a lot here that changes from this point onwards. Now, you might want to stick with us to learn about what happens on the Isle of No Peepo. Is it a soccer match? Fine. However, big spoiler warning. The rest of the show differs from the film. Yes. So see you. Go back to the episode notes. Thank future Danny if he's done it. Yep. And we'll see you at the end. We'll see you at the end. Just like in... um. Muppet Christmas Carol, but this isn't too scary. 
like in Muppets Christmas Carol where Gonzo is like, nope, I'm out. See you at the end, kids. We'll see you at the end. So they don't win. They look at Paul's book mm-hmm. and it reveals oh, what happens. the audience with the king. Norman mentions that, come to think of it, no nobody one's... ever comes back after their audience with the king. And Paul shows them the book and it's obviously a picture of the lion eating. And I love the bit where you have all the fish, especially Norton, look out, eyes open, mouth agape. Ah! Like, yeah, proper it's scream. fantastic. So the fish give up the trophy because if there is ever a situation where the winners cannot uphold their audience with the king, they defer to second place. Mm. So they win, they get the trophy. Huzzah! Hooray! And we get to meet Sherman. A bear. The and bear. A bear. A bear. Okay, yeah, fine. That's what he's credited as. Sherman, a bear. Yes. And he sings Fish Fish. Yes, lovely little number. His job is to catch the winners. Although if you're catching them, why would you? I don't understand. Anyway, anyway, he catches the winner fish. Yes. And brings them back to the king for the king's dinner. Except there's no fish to Out catch come this time. The people. Out comes the bed. Yeah. The whole bed. I love that Sherman points out the... No people allowed. No peopling allowed. Yes, that Fishing only. Really great. The puppet for Sherman is fantastic. Yep. But we also oh meet... God, I love Sherman. Angela a bird. I and loved the Angela the bird. puppet for Angela a bird is phenomenal. Oh my God, this is one of the... So my memory isn't like the best thing in the whole world, but this is one thing that I was like, I need to remember this. Yes. Because of the way that Angela the bird works... You have to have two puppeteers for all of them except for Norman. And one of the moves that the two puppeteers did, one of them ended up ducking under the other one's arm to make the bird spin around. Yeah. Except it came out completely not tangled up in any way. And it was just so phenomenally clever that I was just sat there not even paying attention to what was being said anymore because I was sat there like, what? Well... Emma Thornett, mm-hmm. who is the voice of Angela Bird and the puppeteer, mm-hmm. you will not be surprised, has experience working puppets. Yeah. They specifically played Baby Joey Head, the warhorse, for the National Theatre Live Cinema release. What did you say their name was? Emma Thornett. But I mean, if you're going to think of a show where the puppetry is so important and needs to be done right, that show speaks volumes. Because one of the most magical bits of War Horse is the opening where Joey is born and you get like this magic as this baby puppet is born in front of you. Mm -hmm. And by the looks of it, the version I would have seen at the cinema, you know, when I before I saw the magic on stage would have been a result of Emma Thornier. Mm-hmm. You can see why Angela has so much life. Again, they've done their research. They have hired the right people for this show. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. So, fish, fish. Angela comes out, isn't very happy, and says that, you know, we need to send them away. The The king will not be happy. We hear the roar. Oh, my gosh, yeah. But we get a bit of negotiality. Yep. And Charlie's like, so it stands to reason that 
He's Australian now? <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> it's Cockney voice. Let me get Cockney. Well, hello there, Mary Poppins. So it stands to reason that we have a trophy, which means we get to meet the king. <laughs> That's my bad. Right, Dick Van Charlie voice. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I love that the logic and, and Andrew and Joe like, that makes sense. And out comes the king. Yes, and we have the wonderful Matthew Elliot Campbell playing the voice of King Leonidas, as well as one of the puppets for him. I got very excited when I looked at their CV because I saw that they had been Scar in Hong Kong mm-hmm. and understudy Mufasa in the UK Lion King tour. So Yeah, he was also in Beautiful, yeah. the Carol King musical, as one of the drifters, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, clearly made to be a Lion King. Mm-hmm. So, out comes King Leonidas. So I think... The puppet here is amazing as well. It's just incredible. The whole thing is incredibly cool. Yes. So there is no football game. Mm-hmm. There is no soccer. Thank goodness. It is a magic show. We get Amelius and Eglantine and they are putting on a magic show. Yeah. I like this as a sequence, but I always feel the magic tricks do come off quite cheap here. But I feel that's kind of the point. I like using their sea game on this animal that has no idea. Yep. But it does feel like the most generic magic. But at the same time, it's fun. It shows off Amelius's magic as opposed to Eglantine's. And I think that's important. You know, we've had this show with the magic broom and the magic bed. And here we're getting the rings going together. Yeah, but and... it's only working now because of Eglantine. Yeah, but I love it. I think it's it's one of those cheesy, like, Britain's Got Talent acts. Oh, definitely. You know, that isn't anything special but the king has never seen anything like this and is marvel he's having a great time yeah. yeah and it ends with a really great callback to Amelius the, the great one two switcheroo the one two switcheroo because the king has the necklace the star of Astaroth. Yeah. yes it hangs around his neck so obviously you gotta swap it yes. for a feather boa but this time instead of it being Amelius that pulls it out of thin air it's Charlie sneaks up behind the king and puts it slightly over his shoulders so that and they passes can... it onward so that they pass it down the line oh and it ends up in Carrie's pocket yeah yeah I, I think it's great all the kids play their part here and then we gotta get on the bed as quickly as we physically can yes the king doesn't get transformed into a rabbit, which is a shame, but I feel like that would have been too much That's to ask That's quite a difficult puppet. puppet trick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm fine with that. We don't feel like there's ever as much danger. The king doesn't seem like they realised. Mm-hmm. Perhaps I've misremembered that bit. But they... No, he does realise. He sees that they jump on the bed and then the bird, whose name I've forgotten. Angela. Angela the bird. Oh, Angela. Um, I, I get it now. <laughs> Lansbury. She doesn't have a name in the... I mean, it's a dude in the um, movie, but obviously got to have Angela somewhere. So yeah, we have Angela Lansbury, the bird, and... Well, and that's why we have Sherman, a bear, because it's the Sherman brothers. It's a shame that there's no reference to... Now I have to know who Norton is. Perhaps Norton isn't anyone. Oh, who, who is the actor that plays Amelius? That's what I'm trying to find out. If we've just like realised this. If we, we are realising this really stupid. Like, live as we record, that would be fantastic. No, it's David Tomlinson. That's what I thought I it was. I can't find a Nor- Norton. Norton or Norman? Norton. 
Perhaps it's something to do with the person who wrote Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Oh, Mary Norton wrote Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. There we go. The magic bed knob and bonfire. There we go. Those, cool. Mary so Norton. everyone's representing. We've just nice. learned this now. Awesome. <laughs> we, we should have figured that out sooner, probably. <laughs> we, I mean, that's, isn't that the fun of things like this? That, should you realise it? Yes, maybe you should, but also those moments of discovery. But that's really cool. That is very, very I'm cool. glad that that's in there now. So we have Mary Norton, the fish. We have Sherman Brothers, the bear. Yeah. And Angela, Angela Lansbury, the bird. It's Angela, the bird, that realises that they've stolen the star of Astaroth. Yes, but it's too late. The bed is off and they're waving. Ha ha ha, we've won. Mm -hmm. And we get back home and we get substitutionary locomotion, la dee dee. Yeah, we do. It's just magical. Again, they take off Amelius's shoes, put them up and they start Tap dancing. Shoes. And we get a wonderful callback from Charlie who yes. tells Miss Price that she has to believe wholeheartedly yes. the magic to work because otherwise nothing will happen and he says that he believes no that's later no it's here it is i promise it's here because okay. the shoes don't move to start with okay and then she asks them for help and then all the magic comes in really really slowly yeah and then the shoes start to dance yep cool i liked this it was just magical yep and then we get the substitutionary locomotion waltz where all the clothes start to come in and dance. And oh, it's so But again, cool. so you've obviously got the ensemble holding the clothes, but they're still so rigid and moving like it does look like real people. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. And the hats that fly around. Great. Yep. Yeah. At the end of substitutionary locomotion, the postmistress, Mrs. Holiday, shows up. Mm -hmm. And she has good news because... They can, they can... Somebody else will take the children. Yes. Yeah. But she's amazed at the family dynamic. Everyone seems very happy. Eglantine agrees to keep the children because she's happy. Mm -hmm. And introduces postmistress to Mr. Brown. And she's like, the Mr. Brown? Wow. And this whole happy family's routine prompts him to realise, like, yes, I have to run away. Yep. And the magic feels like it goes, which is lovely. You know, you've, you've got that same vibe as... As the film. Mm -hmm. I really liked the framing of our next song, which is Nobody's Problems, because you've got all of these characters in different areas. So you've got Eglantine at the door, you've got the children looking at the window, and then you've got Amelius at the train station. And they're singing this song, bobbing along on the Depression Express. Yep. Because... Basically, they they all want to be together, but they know they just can't be, and it's it's not going to work for whatever reason that they've created. But it does feel really, really nice. At the end of this, the children spy the shadows and the enemy, mm -hmm. and the red moon. And the red moon is is coming. I like the little silhouette of the soldiers. Mm -hmm. The one issue I have is we get a lot of lines about how they're creeping closer, and I kept looking at the shadows in case like. They've gotten bigger, they, yeah. They hadn't. And I understand that's a difficult thing to do, but I feel it would have been a very cool thing to do to have them like visibly get bigger. Um, I feel like, fourth spoiler warning, if you are here this far with us, this is where we go into big spoiler territories as we reach the end game. So we'll see you. If you really don't want to know, <laughs> big old spoilers. We'll see you at the ending. <laughs> check the episode notes <laughs> i know we drum on about this if you're going to listen through anyway 
This it this should tell you why. how we feel about what is going to happen in a minute. Yeah, because you're going to understand exactly why you. there's a warning. And if you are just going to stick with us, you'll get it. And when you go and see this, if you have skipped, you will also understand. And we'd love you to go back and listen. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's now. Yeah. We don't see the, the fleeing in the same way. I remember that before we had Amelius doing this, this number of, I'm going to be the hero, we'd shown Eglantine and the kids being trapped in the house. That felt like a... Yes, but, we, but in this version, they're not in the house anymore. They're in the... They've just gone straight to the museum. The museum. They've, they've gone there. They just know they have to go. That's fine, because we need to be in the museum for the rest That's of the That's fine, but it's very interesting that we don't actually see them in danger. They've gone. They're safe. That's mm-hmm. fine. Amelius has this big number, and as Amelius tries to get to the museum, we see these, these shadows, these enemies storming across the stage. You would not know they were Nazis. I mean, mm. I understand why. I don't. We still put the sound of music on. I, I know. It, and this is relevant. I, I agree. I agree. But I can also understand. Inside, it's very, very much aimed at kids. Maybe they just want to say it any war. Like it's the whole point that this could be any point. I don't. I don't know. Perhaps... Um, well, so we know why. It's because. Charlie doesn't know that they're called Nazis. Is that... Uh, yeah, okay. Well, so, fine. That makes sense. So, yeah. yeah. He's sneaking past the shadow people and hiding behind trees and things, which is great. The set is all moving so yeah. that he can move with it. Again, great travelling. in the same way as he does in the film, to get into... Well, in the film, it's the house, but to get into the museum here, he turns himself into However, a rabbit. However, I don't feel like he actually needed to because there was loads of space. I didn't feel the need to, especially because he, he just, just ran. He just interacted with Mrs. Holiday as well, who said, yeah. they're in there, they're in there, and was, was trying to rally people. I don't feel he no, needed. That was, but they were at the train station. Yeah, but I still don't feel the fact that he needed to. They didn't feel like the urgency here to be turned into a rabbit because it's not like the enemy was creeping up on him. Mm. So it was I, nice to see it happen. Yeah, it was again. really nice to see it happen again because it's amazing. It. I loved this song. I felt this was missing from, you know, David Tomlinson because we have an allusion to a small number, but not like this. And this is really nice. Like now's this is like his moment. Yeah, now is the time to save the day. Now is the time to be a bunny. Yeah, I, I liked this bit. Uh, we go into Age of not, not believing, believing reprise because Eglantine doesn't believe in herself, and this is where we get another role reversal of her and Charlie. This is the one I thought you meant. Yeah, no, this is again where, but we all have to believe together now. We all so have this to... is where she uses the power of everybody believing. Yes, to make substitutionary locomotion work. To make substitutionary locomotion come to her. Yes. Yeah. Um, I yeah I like this I really like that Charlie is kind of over the worst of the PTSD at this point Charlie's like you have made me stronger now it's mm. time that I make you stronger I'll help you fight yes. and especially because Charlie is the one who really didn't want this to happen in the first place it's nice that it's Charlie's voice mm-hmm. and she reveals that her dad died in World War One when she was 13 she knows exactly what it's like to be in Charlie's position yep. that they are more similar and that's great 
Nice, I like it. It makes more sense now why she's done the age of not believing because she's like, I've been there and I don't want to tell you this because I'm I'm not ready to bear my history. She has come a long way. Wait. What kind of complex inner life does Charlie have that he was able to come up with this? Because that's where we're getting to here, people. um, I'm just going to say it. I'm sorry. We've still got one scene before we say it. Come on. We've got this far. (laughs) Fine. We're into Onward. Right, so Onward. I actually felt that this was the weakest sequence of the whole film. Some of the stuff of the was whole really show. cool. Yeah, some of the Putting stuff Putting the was cool. hats, the floating hats on top of the suits yes. of... Uh, we have the Scottish yeah. army garb and the yeah. soldier's outfit, uh, the UK version of the soldier's outfit. That was very cool. Putting the hats onto them, they float, then they start moving. The suit of armour is a person in a suit of armour. It's yeah. very nice. But I just the felt the whole like fighting sequence was very weak because you don't have enough of the clothes fighting. Mm-hmm. You've got Paul with a slingshot. You've got Carrie using her fists. And Carrie has a sword. No, she doesn't. She is standing there waving her fists. She I, ends up with a sword. Yeah, yeah, but I thought it looked stupid when they're all there ready to line up to face the enemy and she's just there. I wonder like, if she was maybe supposed to have the sword earlier and it wasn't possibly. there. Possibly. I just thought it was very weird. Like, what is the point in all this if the children are going to fight anyway? Yeah, we're supposed to be keeping them safe, right? right? But we get Eglantine on her broomstick the, again. That is great. That is phenomenal. She and, summons it onto the stage and again it goes through the door arch. Yep. And then, because it's not on a wire. Yeah, it is very, very cool. You know, her leading. But I just felt the fight itself was quite weak. Mm. Maybe because there's not enough people in the ensemble to do it. The song doesn't feel momentous enough. Yeah. And I, I was like, okay, well, I've had a great time for the rest of this show. This is weak, but that this I think is fine. A... If this ends, you know, we all live happily ever after. We're yeah. going to live here with Mr. Brown. And, and it, it's still it. like, I've had a great time watching this. It's like, do you know what? That's fine. Because there's a lot of shows I love or films I love that have weak moments. So and we'll I love... get a finale. So yeah. it's all good. I love the MCU, but I would be remiss if I did not say that there are moments that are formulaic as much as I love them. Yep. There are tropes that exist in each time, especially at phase two. Every final battle happens above the earth, you know. Yeah, that's true. Right? Right? That's weird. Right? But, you know, I've still had a great time. I think this is one of the the, the rare examples in this where the film does it better. But that's because you really do have, I guess, a difference in media. On film, you can do more. And I just didn't like seeing the children at danger in this. Mm. For me, that felt like the most like, yeah, that shouldn't happen. And just as the children are about to get killed. Please let me say yeah. it. Right. So they Spoilers, spoilers, <laughs> final time, spoilers. This is the point at which we're just going to see us completely unravel into hysteria. Because they have won. They've won the day. Hooray, we're all winning. Suddenly, everybody's surrounded by the shadow Nazis. And Eglantine's down on the ground again. She's not on her broom. They take the broom off of her. The broom is thrown away. The sword is thrown away. The slingshot's gone. Somebody is holding on to Paul and Carrie. Yeah. And Charlie's being pushed back away from them. And he's trying to get to them. And then he shouts, Stop. Stop. You're not real. And I went... What? I <laughs> felt the air suck out of the room completely. What? 
<laughs> oh my god i literally i was in that sort of subspace of like i cannot have a public freak out right mm -hmm. now but also i need to scream into a pillow because I literally said it at the start of the show. I made a joke about how everything's yep, in the bedroom. I wrote so it's it all imaginary. You oh said to God. me, you said to me, this better not end with everything being a dream. I literally, I was kidding. I, I meant it as a joke. I didn't mean it. I really hope that they only did it on this show because like somebody, somebody heard, heard me say it. I hate this trope. <sighs> I absolutely detest this trope in films and TV. It's done really well. It is done very well. We're going to talk about how much we appreciate the way it was done. But so Charlie shouts, you're not real. None of this is real. And the shadow people put down the kids and then they disappear. And yes. there's a really nice like shh. There's a really nice. nice sound effect. And somebody from the ensemble comes out and they grab items and you hear that. They take <sighs> the broom yep. and the sword. And the bed knob. And the bed knob off of Charlie. But it's Which is where we should no, have had the, the line. Pool. This is where we should have had the line. What's that got to do with my knob? <laughs> but it's because Charlie says, uh, there's no such thing as witches. Broomsticks can't fly. Yep. And That's... you can't fight this war with swords. And bed knobs can't a magic bed knobs can't make beds. And they fly. get taken with each one. And they get taken. And then it all makes the really nice noise. And then he turns around to Professor Brown and is like, We really liked you, mate, but none of this is real. And he expresses disappointment because that makes He's me like, really sad. He, God, Charlie's complex inner workings. Because Well again, to create a character like Eglantine, who has, has gone through the exact same thing as him. Who is there to help him with yeah. it. And like the subconscious is a powerful thing. But also, does it create characters that are then disappointed to not be real? Yeah. Because Emilius Brown is like, that makes me really sad. I've enjoyed knowing you. I've enjoyed knowing you. And then he turns around to Eglantine and is like, we had the best time. And then he turns away and walks off and they've got this, this amazing stage where the further back you go, you do just vanish. Oh, into it's like darkness. exactly like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. It really yeah, is exactly like that. It's because the same dude. Oh, I know, but it. It, it works. And uh, as a sequence, the whole revealing of this, okay, I'm not happy, but wow, <laughs> wow. Do you know what? I'm okay with it at this point. We're going to get into... What really makes me angry about this ending? And we'll talk about what we wanted. Yeah, what we this. what I thought would have been a better ending, but anyway. Because at this point we're like, okay, I have two options here. Either they're all dead, yes. and we've been dead the whole time, and this is like hospital fever dream. Yep. Or this is a story that Charlie is telling the other two while they're sat in the rubble of their yes. parents' house. Either way, I'm okay with that. I can live with However, it. However, we'll after Eglantine says her goodbye and leaves. Yeah, she says, I suppose I have to go now too. And Charlie's like, oh, yeah. I didn't realise you would have to go. I need you still. Yes. And she's like, no, you don't. You're the one that created this world. We're all good. Yes. So she leaves. And we come back <laughs> at exactly the moment where Mrs. Holiday says, I need to go and ring Mrs. Price to see and where she is. And we hear the plane swooping over again, which was the backfiring. But we also have Mrs. Mason show up and she's far more. You, that, that's it. You're coming with me. You're going to work on my farm. Do any of you know how to milk a cow? Well, you're going to learn. 
and Paul stomps on her foot or something. She goes yeah, off. to get the book. Yeah, to get the book. Because she's like, there's no reading. You won't need this. Mm-hmm. And then she goes and in comes Eglantine. And she is not. She comes in and instead of the way that she is at the beginning where she like completely doesn't even notice they're there, she comes in and she's like, you must be the Rawlins children. Yes. It's so lovely to meet you. Off you go now, Mrs. Moore. Moore. Off you go now, Mrs. Moore. We don't need you here. The children will be doing very well with me. Before she's shown up, before she's shown up, Amelius Brown has shown up. Oh, yeah. And Mrs. Holiday has taken him there because he's not a professor. He has just been selling her things. Uh, oh, like he has a trinket things, shop. Yeah. And that's been bombed. And he hated the idea that he was going to leave this poor woman without not knowing. Not knowing. So he came down with flowers mm-hmm. to meet her. They've gone into talk. In comes Eglantine, who shouts, I've got the children, I'll be off. She is not dressed as Eglantine. She is dressed just, as a normal... Well, actually, she's dressed more like Eglantine in the yeah. film than she is like but she, she is, has been for the rest of it. She's not a witch. But Paul's very clever. Yeah. Paul puts his book down. So she hustles them out, and then they come back, and she's like, oh, I'm very sorry. We had to come back. One of The, the young boy left his book, and then she sees Professor yeah, Brown. because we've just had this really heartbreaking love. moment where... He comes out and there's no one there. And Mrs. Holiday's just like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then in they come for the book. Mm-hmm. I wondered why he left the book. Because I was like, that feels weird. Like, he needs this book. It's all he's got from home. And then it was yeah. like, oh, that's really it's clever. A sneaky child. It's very, very clever. And then they all go off on the motorcycle. Very, very happy. And she looks over her shoulder and smiles. Yes. As she's driving the motorbike. And then... The best thing with the set happens. Which is right. Okay, so before we talk about the set, I don't like, for Disney being all about character integrity, I don't like that this is what they do to Eglantine Price. They basically have taken this very famous character, they have retconned her, she is normal. She has no magical powers. We go from this incredible woman who single-handedly fights off the Nazis invading the coast of the UK. Yeah. To a woman, like one random woman which who is, is adopting fine. some kids. I which is great. Assume that the knowing smile at the end is them hinting that, oh, there's magic to well, come. She does also still have the broom. She does have the broom, but she's probably just ordered a broom. You I know? know? I don't get it. So, for me, I think this whole thing would have been better if it had just ended, like you've said already, especially with the set piece we're about to have. I think the ending should have been. They are in the rubble mm-hmm. right in those moments after. And this is a story that Charlie has told to Paul and Carrie to keep them OK through all of this. Even if it wasn't that explicit, even if it just ended, we everything goes sort of sucks away and we're back in the rubble right at the beginning. And then it ends. And it's either you can take it as it's a story he told them or... It's something that is about to happen yes. to them and they are going to have this adventure. But to see, you know, the lack of integrity to Eglantine as a character, I think yeah. that upsets me. Right. However, we do get the most brilliant ending visual, which I, I think if we'd had that visual of them in the remains in front of the bed with this would have been the perfect ending. Mm. Because So for the entire show, they have been in the rubble of the house. There's four pillars left of the four yes. corners of the house. And two of them are, are down, sort of, towards the front of the stage. Yeah, stage, uh, downstage left, downstage right. Yeah. And you cannot tell what they are. They're two, I 
think windows that have been blown out. They're just two columns of this house, yeah. basically. Bits of the house that are left over. Oh, part of it is part of the bedroom. Yeah. And when they push them together for the end of this, so we have the shot of Eglantine looking over her shoulder, and then they push these two things together, it makes the silhouette of the mum and dad from the beginning of the show where yeah. they were standing together in the doorway before the bomb went off. It's amazing. It's incredible. And I like very loudly went like did yeah. a big gasp while we were watching this because it's so nice. It is. And I was like, oh that's so lovely that like okay they're still look like watching over them or they're still and there's still some connection. If that's there. the final image of that being pushed together in the rubble, all when that they're saved sat there, all that saved them was mm. the love of their mum and dad. Mm-hmm. I know it's very Harry Potter territory, but could you imagine that, like, they're alive because their parents are, like, looking the down and... and thing, yeah. Right? And it's almost like they've put them in... Oh, man, because it's not the bedroom. Because all three of them are left in the bedroom. They've put them in the cellar because they know that there's an air raid coming. And yeah. Because Charlie doesn't know what those noises are. That's true. He doesn't. Oh, they've saved that them. That would be so much They've better. saved them. And they knew that there was no space for them there. And the uh, last thing they say is, we love you, good night. I mean, they don't say anything. And then they go up because their sacrifice, they knew that their children would survive more down there. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about that because that is an ending. Not what they so do to Edlin Time Price. I just don't understand why you would end it like this. I, and yeah. I literally nearly screamed. I'm okay. I am okay with it being a dream thing if it ended that way. Mm -hmm. I'm not okay with them revealing like Eglantine is just normal. Why end it that way if it's going to end with them all being a happy family anyway? And getting to ride off into the distance on her cool motorbike because she still has a motorbike. She has a motorbike. It just doesn't make any sense to me where you could have something open, more open ended. And, and make you thought-provoking. Yeah. Cause it, I know it's for kids. I but... know. But I just... But then kids... I'm sorry. Kids shouldn't be hidden from the terrors of the world. You know? No, I know. And, and that is the, the safest way they can do, do this without it being, like, explicitly scary. But that is our ending. <laughs> so welcome back, if you are finally skipping forward, to... Our final thoughts on Bednalls and Broomsticks, because we are now at the end of Spoiler Territory. Drew, what is your best song in this version? Forget the movie. What is your best song on the stage version? See, now here's my thing. This soundtrack is so inherently watchable. Yeah. Because of the stuff that happens while the songs are playing. Yeah. I love that they utilised Step in the Right Direction the Mm -hmm. way they did. I think that song's a bop. But also, I don't know that I'd like it as much if I was just listening to it. Yeah. So I think I'm probably going to have to go with either Eglantine or Negotiality. Yeah. Because both of those are just upbeat, they're fun. I would definitely listen to them. I'm, I know that I'm going to add both of them to my playlist. Yeah, if there's ever a when recording. When we get yeah. yeah. I would agree with Negotiality. I think it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I actually think my best song is No Peepo Lagoon. Yeah. I think there's some really nice like energy to that. Yeah, there is. And it's fun. And I really like that one. What is your skip song? I'm not going to include reprises of songs. I feel like they all go for one. 
And for me, I'm going to say that my skip song is Onward. I, I love. Uh, I understand. I, 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 you know, the bed knob spell. I don't necessarily want all those reprises. I would probably skip them, but they are cute and they work very well. I, I think take your point. They work. The fact that I them. have that memorized yeah. at this point, and we saw it once, and I just know the words of that song. Like that's a good. Song. Yeah, and like the negotiality reprise two, one and two are probably not going to listen to, you know, but not including reprises. I just think onwards lacked the oomph needed for where it is you know i was gonna say amelia's the great but i think i actually agree with you now in that i i think onward yeah i wanted a bigger number than what it was yeah because onward as as a final song it's going into trolls territory with frozen the film Oh right! You know, like that's our final song. The movie. It doesn't have the big oomph we need. Yes. Who? Which role do you want to play? I want to be the broomstick. (laughs) The broomstick's the best character. No, I'm kidding. I want to be uh, Angela the bird. Yes. A bird. Sorry, Angela a bird. I I want to be Norton a fish, Mm -hmm. but I would happily take any puppet character. Same. What the puppetry in the show is. Phenomenal. I, I think if I had to be a human character, I, I would, would have fun doing Amelius in this version. Oh, same. I would love to play Eglantine and get to do all of the special but effects. If I'm stuff, doing this show, I really want to do want to be a Norton or Sherman. You know, I'd love mm-hmm. to be a puppet. Oh, right. Difficult question for such a stellar cast. MVP. Who is your MVP? That's really difficult. I had... I'm going to give my MVP to Rob Mad. Same here. I had the best time. And I am a huge fan of Rob Madges. Their TikTok is so funny. Oh, they're out of time into the woods. Yeah. It was phenomenal. And they do an out of time Legally Blonde as yeah. well, which is equally as funny. And, and just the, some, some of videos the... of them as a kid. Yes. <laughs> so How do you know that you're going to be a performer? You know, mm. <laughs> is the camera on? Is the camera on? Are you on? filming me? Film me. <laughs> So, Rob, there are exact videos of me as Rob a child Madge gives me serious like Jack Whitehall vibes as well. Like the stuff I've seen of Jack Whitehall's family videos. Oh, you and know? he's a kid. Like yeah. that's a '90s kid performer growing up. You mm. know, the advent of like video cameras and oh, you mean I can VHS do the VHS home videos. Right? Um, yeah. I think every time that Rob Madge was on stage, they pulled they, so much focus. Not necessarily great, focus, but in a good way. They were having the time of their life. I yeah. go back to it. That smile as front wheel. There's so much about their performance that is just so perfect and toned down when it's called for. Mm-hmm. Like when they come out to be part of the magic with the ensemble. But I just, every time they were on, I was captivated by, by their performance. And this is tough because everyone is great. Diane Pilkington bought a beloved character to life now yes this isn't a character from my childhood but i can see the challenge in bringing eglantine price to life diane pilkington nailed it she is eglantine i think uh charles brunton did a great job as amelius brown connor o'hara made me care about charlie when i had never cared about them before you have mark anderson as sherman a bear you have uh, matthew elliott cavill as king leonidas and you have emma thornett bringing these fantastic puppets to life they're not just puppets they are they are living creatures in front of you and the ensemble the children are amazing but rob madge just 
sold every moment right. for us. Yeah. yeah, sold every moment. So MVP. How many stars did you give? I gave it four stars, which I believe is more than Bed Knobs and Broomstick, the film. Yeah, that is. I think the pacing issues that I complained about don't feel so bad here because we've got musical numbers. Mm-hmm. And also we didn't have to watch a 20-minute football game. Yeah. Oh, sorry, soccer. Soccer. <laughs> I think, the, without spoilers, the play is really good and then we have it onward and the ending just isn't satisfying for me. I agree. And I think that's what stops it being five stars for mm-hmm. me. I was having a great time and I just think the final act... We had that, like, car screech. Yeah. Well, how did I end up here, you ask? Yeah. <laughs> like... Um, that's the one thing, and I think that's something that would need to be fixed post-tour, is looking at what can we do with, with the final yeah. final sequence. What about you? I, I'm just going to say three stars. And I feel bad saying three, because I, I really enjoyed it, and it was so good. But the reaction that like shook my entire body of, yeah. to the ending of the show, I was like, "No, I can't. I can't have this." No, and that's <laughs> it. Would have been five stars had it played out the way I thought it was going to. And that's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm completely understanding of that. That does not mean, however, that you shouldn't go and see it. This show is incredible. You should be wanting to go and see this if you're in the uk and you can go and see this show do it's incredible it's, it's so good it's touring in a lot of different territories mm-hmm. and it's coming back near to areas it's already featured as well check it out see if you can make a way to go and see this because it's amazing yes. uh, i loved it yeah the the ending is the one sour note for me that that final like 10 minutes just doesn't hit i think the heights that the rest of the show does for me yes Next week, we're going back to the same Mm theatre. And it's interesting because there's quite a few uh, actors from this. For instance, Mark Anderson, who was Sherman Mm Abair, and Jessica Aubrey, who was one of the swings, who were in the show we're going to watch next week at the Chilean Lynn Theatre. Indeed. Because they were in School of Rock. Yeah. And I am so excited to... This must be how you have felt for all of this podcast. It's like, hey, look at this thing I like. It's shiny. <laughs> You'll yeah, love it. <laughs> you'll love it. Like, oh my days, I get to share something with you. Yeah. And I know you know more about this show than I would traditionally know more about most of the shows we've talked about. You are familiar with the soundtrack because you do that weird thing where you listen to the soundtrack before you go and watch it. Mm. But we are going to go see School of Rock again at the new Victoria Theatre in Woking. And I am very, very excited because I love School of Rock. You may have heard last week, this is a very, very personal one. This will be the fourth time I have seen School of Rock. Yep. First time I've seen it on tour outside of its home at the Gillian Lynn Theatre, which used the Revolve amazingly. I mean, the Gillian Lynn Theatre is probably the theatre I've been to the most, but it's also a show I've directed. We get to talk about that for the first time on this podcast. And I'm so excited to stick it to the man. Yeah. So that's next week. And then we will start the spooky season. Shall we confirm our spooky season? Leave them hanging. Leave them hanging. Well, we have... Tune in next week to find out what we're doing in spooky season. Yes, we have two exciting spooky offerings for the full season. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Most wonderful time of the year. (laughs) Oh, it really is going into it. Yeah. K 
Can you believe a year ago we were getting ready to cover our first bit of live theatre in the last five years and cover Jekyll and Hyde? Oh my God. And that stage fright. That's a year ago. Right? So we'll be back next week. And as always, you can get involved in the conversation over on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, have you seen Bedknobs and Broomsticks? There's a few of you I've interacted with who have and loved it. Uh, is there anything you'd like to talk to us about having listened to our review? Is there anyone that listens to our review after seeing it for the first time? Uh, and agrees with us. And agrees. Let us know. Uh, and, and if you've skipped ahead, uh, thank you for joining us for, for bits of today's episode. And we'll see you next week at School of Rock. Let us know your thoughts on School of Rock. Is this a show that is meaningful to you? Do you enjoy it? Or is it one that just doesn't hit the heights of Jack Black from 2004? over on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod and you can check out our adventures now on TikTok. Mm-hmm. It's a Musical Pod. So get involved in the conversation and the adventures. You can download us on a multitude of great podcast platforms. There is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, the Amazon Music app under the podcast section, Stitcher and Podbean. And if you enjoy what we do, why not go and leave us a five-star review over on Podchaser or Apple Podcasts? Until next week, we will see you at the same bat place, same bat channel. Have a magical musical Monday. Won't be difficult with this magical musical. Bye.